that the way that she handled prayer and she didn't use it as just a uh, once and you know when things are in trouble but it was that was something that was near and dear to her mm-hmm. uh, and seeing even through the sacrifice she's still praising hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the bald believers i'm jamie and i'm chad and well today is Today is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. So something all of us have in common. All of us have a mother. Yes. So happy Mother's Day to all the uh, to all the mothers out there, uh, especially my wife. Thank you for being an awesome mom to our to our girls, and to my mother. Happy Mother's Day to my mom as well. Thanks for all that you've done in my upbringing. May not have been as easy sometimes, but uh, I think she done all right. I, I want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to my mother and thank her. And I'd also like to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful person, and I'd just like to mention that. And uh, there's several people we go to church with, and it's too many to name, but uh, I think uh, most of you know who you are, and you're very special to me, and I want to thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talked back and forth about who would we cover, and we thought mm-hmm. it would be um, a good topic that we or a good character we would discuss on Mother's Day as we discuss one of the women in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to talk about Jezebel, and I didn't think that was... Probably not a person. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, uh, First Samuel, that's what we're going to be. Yes. That's what we're looking at. And um, you said, hey, let's look at Hannah. Yes. So um, I said, that sounds good. Let's do it. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to take a look at the life of Hannah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk back and forth through some stuff. Uh, Chad's got some really good points that we talked about, so I'm, uh, I'm excited. I hope I'm excited to share with you guys. I look forward to, to just sharing what we have. So, yeah. um, so kick us off. Okay, well, you know, Hannah gets uh, a whole chapter and a little more than 10 verses into the second chapter. She gets a whole lot of coverage here, and for good reason. I, and the first thing I want us to look at there in First Samuel chapter 1, right off the bat, uh, we get an introduction to uh, Elkanah. And there again, these are all going to be Kentucky pronunciations, <laughs> so they may be wrong, but it's the best we have, okay? So we get an introduction to her husband, Elkanah. And uh, you can see right off, he, he's a, a pretty upstanding uh, a man in his community, right? He comes from a good family. Uh, and we can see that we can see a comparison between him and the introduction we get to, uh, uh, Sam, or to uh, sorry, Samson's father and, and his parents that we see in Judges 13 too. And you can read, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and bare not. So it's basically a pretty similar introduction. And when this says, and there was a certain man of, they're, they're making a little distinction. Now, I want to think if you look back in Elkanah's family, you'll see that he come from the tribe of Levites. And uh, he was a very devout man, and he had a very devout family. They would go once a year to uh, offer sacrifice, right, to uh, to the temple, which at that time it wasn't actually a temple built. We know that comes much yeah. later on. Yeah. But um, when they would go up and they would offer their yearly sacrifice, there's a little bit of trouble in the family, right? Because Elkanah has two wives, not just one. He has a wife named Peninnah, who has, and there again, probably a wrong pronunciation, it's all God. Whole other topic. Whole other topic. <laughs> but uh, she has children, right? And uh, then you see his wife, Hannah, who is who we really wanted to talk about today. She doesn't have any children. And uh, when they would go up to this sacrifice, uh, apparently this was, a, this was a time that uh, Peninnah would take 
and she would pick to really try to provoke Hannah. Yeah, I mean, she wanted to rub in her face that, mm-hmm. hey, you're barren, I'm not. Right. And, and I found it interesting, I don't know if you knew this, but Hannah's name, you know what it means? I think so. You... It means woman of grace. Yes. So after you read through her through her life, you know, through the story, yeah, it's like, yeah, right on, that. fits, perfect, right? Yeah, you see that. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, uh, this interaction between her uh, and and for me, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking I probably wouldn't fare so well. No, I don't think I would handle it as well. Either. You know, but we see that she had a whole different um, uh, meaning about you know um, about her. The way that she handled things was just amazing, uh, and it's something that we can all learn from. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in spite of what was going on, in spite of what um, uh, this lady kept interjecting and reminding her of what she knew already. Yes. You yes. know, just bringing it in. In my mind, Chad, what she's doing is just dumping salt back into that back into that wound mm-hmm. and making it fresh all over again, reminding her that uh, that she is barren. Mm-hmm. But she handles it a little bit different. She does. So. Yeah, so what, you know, so we yeah. see what happens here. Well, you know, and this, you know, you bring a good point. She she knows what's wrong. Penina knows what's bothering Hannah. And instead of being a comfort to her, which she should have been, which is what we're taught to be, she was pouring salt into an open wound. And you got to figure that there's probably, a lot of times that happens because somebody feels like they have a lot of shortcomings in their life, right? And yeah. so instead of working on ourselves and, and getting a little introspective and, and talking to the Lord about it to work out our problems, it's easier to point out somebody else's faults. And I think that's what we see Penina doing here. Yeah. You know, that was a good point. Yeah. But uh, th- this time of, of, of uh, going, this yearly time of going, this, this is not a one-off instance here where she provokes. We're, we're led to believe this is a, a continual thing, sure, right? Sure. Because, you know, you can see Penn and I, look, I'm being real thankful for my family. Look at all the children I have, right? And, and that comes about, I think, partially because Elkanah is trying to be a good husband and father, right? And Penn is using this the wrong way. And the reason I say I think he's trying to be good about this and set the right example, he doesn't just go up and make an offering for them. He gives to Penina and each of her children a sacrifice to go offer, right? Mm-hmm. He makes a point of that, but also he makes a point of, of going to Hannah and giving her uh, what can be looked at as a, as a worthy portion, a double portion possibly, right? Because she doesn't have any children and, and he loves Hannah, yeah. right? He's trying to do right by her, but what we see happen is that Penina just keeps going after her. Right, possibly a little jealousy because he does give more to her. Well, I think he, pro- I think his love for her was probably greater. I, I believe you know, it was. So, yes, yeah. There was that jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, like I said, it's a whole other topic, right? We can right, right. Discuss, but uh, yeah, he does. He gives this larger portion to her, um, and and he he sees that she's upset. Right. He notices that. He notices mm-hmm. that she's upset, and in his mind, he's like, "Hey, look, in what I'm giving you, uh, I think he says, isn't it better than?" Uh, ten sons, and that what yes. he says. Yeah, you know, you know, but that's not that's not going to take care of the way that she's feeling. So. And and you know, and that says something else about Hannah there, because what's happened at this point where you're talking about is is she's finally got upset enough. She's not eating, right? She she's weeping, and and uh, she gets up, you know, and and uh, Elkanah notices this, and he goes over to her and he says, you know, why why are you weeping? Why are you sad? Why is your heart grieved? Right? Because have I not been better to you than 10 sons? But when he says grieve there, it means why is your heart trembling? Right? Because yeah. he, he doesn't understand 
this desire that Hannah has to be a mother. You know, she, she lives in this house with this other woman and she feels less than and she's been made to feel less than by this other woman. And Elkanah, as much as he tries, he, he can't comfort her. But what the thing I like is she doesn't turn around and get angry because he, he can't comfort her, right? She goes to God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she. Yeah. She. You know. It's. I, I think that's a lot of strength there because I think. I think personally, the Bible doesn't say, but I think she probably appreciates what her husband's doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what you know. When I was reading over her life, and what uh, came to mind was, what a great example of a woman of prayer. Yes. Um, you know, when we see the way that she handled things, and a lot of times, a lot of times we'll use prayer as our last resort. Sadly, yeah, yeah unfortunately. Um, you know, she, and rather than realizing it's our main communication to God, we tend to wait until there's trouble that's around. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, she uses she goes to she goes into prayer and she goes into prayer on a whole another level. Yes. Um, you know, and what we see, we see her going into the temple and she goes into the temple and she's broken. Completely. She is completely broken. She is in there. She is crying her eyes out, mm-hmm. pleading to an almighty God, sharing with him what he already knows, mm-hmm. yes. sharing with him, opening up about uh, about the way that she feels, about being barren, and just sharing her soul with him. Yeah. To the point that the priest in the, in the temple sees her, and, and when he looks at her, he's like, this woman's had way too much wine. Yeah, immediately. Uh, you know, he, see, he thinks she's drunk in yeah. the temple uh, yeah. because of the way that she's acting. Uh, but what I found interesting was she didn't cower away. No. She, you know, she's like, no, I, I'm not drunk. I hadn't been drinking. What is What I'm doing is I'm pouring out. I'm praying to God. I'm pouring out to Him. Mm-hmm. He's moved. Right. He's moved by what he sees. Yeah. I mean, you know, because Eli looks at her and, and, you know, she is so broken at this point. Right, that the words aren't even coming out. She is there, knelt down, weeping bitterly. Right, and she's saying the words are in her heart, but her mouth's moving. The words can't even come out. It's like she doesn't even have a voice because we haven't seen her speak back or do anything, you know, to act out at this point at all. And and the first thing that the priest does, the person who's there to offer guidance and comfort and direction, the first thing he does is accuse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right, rather than and, comfort. Right, and, and you know, we look at Hannah here, and I think we can see that, uh, you know, Hannah she she serves the Lord, right? Because she goes with her husband. We don't see anything other than her trying to serve the Lord. Yeah. We we don't see her striking out at people, so we can see that she's she's meek, she's compassionate, right? She she's not trying to hurt people because in this point right here, it's common knowledge that uh, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're not good dudes, right? They're taking advantage of a lot of people. So she could have turned around and struck out at Eli with truthful words, not uh, not just made up accusations, but that isn't what she did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we look at her prayer and see the way that she prayed, it was a prayer of submission. Very much so. Um, you know, she presented herself to the Lord as um, as a handmaid. So, yes. And when you look at that, it says, well, what's that mean? It means that she was coming in saying, I'm your servant, mm-hmm. right? So so is, is this this prayer of submission saying, Lord, here I am. I'm humbling myself before you. 
I'm making myself a handmaid. I want to be used by you and, and just opening up to him and sharing with him uh, of what, what that she wanted. So, you know, whatever he, whatever he wanted her to do, that's what she was willing to do. Yes. Uh, and, and we see that, um, we see what happens through this prayer. Right. She refers to herself as handmaid. It's a good point. Three times. Yeah. And then in the confrontation that Eli, she has with Eli, which is more confrontational on his part than hers, she merely quietly defends herself that she's not drunk. She refers to herself as his handmaid twice. And I think you've got to figure that she's probably prayed for children before. Yeah, well, I'm sure, yeah. Right. Yeah. But this point in time is different because she has humbled herself, and now it's not necessarily about having a child as it is serving the Lord. Because on the outside of that, you may look at this and go, okay, she's trying to make a deal with God. Give me a child and I'll do this. No. She says, you give me a son, I'm giving him right back to you for your service. So so there it's a prayer. It turned into a prayer of sacrifice. Yes, uh, very much so, a sacrificial prayer. So, you know, because this, and, and you, the, and when you're reading this, you think, wow, this is what she wanted for forever, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time. I don't know how long, yeah, but for yeah. a long time, this is what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And then she says, hey, if you give this to me, three years later, I'm going to give him back to you. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, I'm going to give him back to you. He's going to be in the temple uh, to be a, um, was it a Nazarite? Yes. Is that right? To Nazarite. So, so, be, so he'll go into be a Nazarite, into the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me wonder, and we're not told this, but it makes me wonder if maybe she had some insight of, of what the importance of her son was going to be. When you hear her prayer and you see other things she said, yeah, you kind of get that feel that maybe something had been revealed to her because, you know, this is a prayer of, not I want to have children because people are, you know, people are kind of abusing me and trying to provoke me because I don't have children and I want to feel like, you know, I'm I'm successful. You know, I, I want to have the children because that's what the world's telling me to do, right? Mm-hmm. She looks at God this time and says, "No, I want to have a child for your service." Right, right. And right. that's where you know, if you look at in Micah six eight, I think we may be able to see the uh, the pro- progression of Hannah because it says. Says uh, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. She had the first two, yeah, right, and she was serving, but until she was broken, like yeah. Peter, yeah, you yeah. know, and others we've mentioned, yeah. you know, she wasn't truly serving the Lord, and she had to really take an honest look at herself. Yeah, hard thing to do. So, so we see that she does conceive a child mm-hmm. uh, we see that she uh, she has this son that she loves very much and she she keeps good with her word mm-hmm. she does she uh, she takes this son and she uh, takes him to the temple and delivers him at you know we say around the age of three yeah that's about when they weaned is a little bit I think it's a little bit longer in in that uh, culture than possibly what it is in ours right? yeah yeah so takes him takes him to the temple and then what I found interesting too uh, lots of lots of things. If you dig in and study a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you would have thought, Chad, after she after she dropped her son off at the temple, thinking, "I'm I'm only going to see him every once a year now, mm-hmm. and it's only going to be for a brief time that I'm going to see him." Mm-hmm. You would have thought that would have been grounds for her to leave the temple and to go off to herself and cry. But that's not what happens. Uh, it's not what happens. It, she goes out and she goes out singing and praising to God. Yes. Does it remind you of anything else? Uh, well, you know, uh, Jesus did that. So that's I thought about that. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, so here, here she made this great sacrifice mm-hmm. to give her son up, and then she leaves out. Could have been sorrowful, but she was praising. 
Right. And I thought immediately, that's what it popped in my mind. When Jesus was in the garden, it says that he he left out, they left out singing. Yes. He knew that he, he knew what he was fixing to endure. Mm-hmm. He knew what he's fixing to go through, being, being the sacrifice. But yet they went out singing and praising. Yeah. I, and, you know, there's, there's several examples where prayer leads to sacrifice and sacrifice leads to prayer. Yeah. But this woman who so far has been quiet and reserved and to herself has now found her voice, but she found her voice in sacrifice to God. Yeah. Because this wonderful, if, if you've not read it, First Samuel cha- uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is this prayer, and it's amazing because she says, she goes on to say, and I'm not going to quote exactly, but well, I will. Why not? I've got it right here in front of me. I want to say it, but uh, it, and, uh, part of that she says in Han- first, the verse, first few verses, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies. I rejoice in thy salvation. She's not taking credit for any of this. She said, the only reason that my horn is exalted is because of the Lord. The only reason that I'm enlarged over my enemies is because of the Lord. And I rejoice in his salvation that he did it because I couldn't. He did. And she said, there's none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our Lord, like our God, right? Then she says, talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come come out of your mouth for the Lord is God is a God of knowledge, and by him, actions are weighed. You know, it's pretty amazing. This this quiet, reserved woman who, she just exemplifies so, so much quiet strength because she didn't come out and say anything to anybody. And her husband supported her through this whole thing because he was going up for the yearly sacrifice after she had the child, and she said, no, I don't want to go. I'm going to stay here because I, I want to uh, take the child up after he's weaned because when I do that, I'm going to leave him there for service forever, right? She's telling Elkanah about her vow, right? Yeah, yeah. And he could have, he could have, and, and the, the rule is, he could have said, no, your vow's no good, but he knew she was a godly woman and he supported her and he said, you stay here and God's word come true. Right. Yeah, I think it's something that the world has a hard time of seeing the um, and understanding the relationship between sacrifice and song. Yes, you know, when we see um, what you read there, her her praising, and we see her coming out of the temple, the world's like, I don't get it. No, no, they don't get it. And you know, when they when they took him, when they took their son, and this is his, this is Elkanah's firstborn son of Hannah. It's a big deal. Yeah, right. And and he supports her a hundred percent. And, you know, if, if you read in, uh, let's see, gosh, uh, it's in Numbers, I think, 15.8. You, uh, you read about the sacrifice. Uh, it's 15.8, I think is what it is. I'll, I'll put it in the description to get it right. But uh, they were supposed to bring a bull and some wine and some flour. Yeah, yeah. She brought three bulls. Yeah. Plenty of wine, plenty, plenty of flour, all to offer. She didn't want to just, it, this was the offering you made at the completion of a vow. Well, she wasn't just bringing the bare minimum. She was rejoicing, rejoicing in this vow, in this sacrifice. Right. So much, so much there. Yeah. So she's she's very, um, very interesting. You know, very interesting lady. Is when we look through her life and we see the way that she handled uh, circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see that when she had the way that she handled confrontation, uh, right? Because she had there's a couple of different times that she was. Had some confrontation in her life. Yeah, a few times. Uh, a few so times. we see the way that she handled that. Uh, we see her um, what prayer meant to her. 
Mm-hmm. You know the way that the way that she handled prayer, and she didn't use it as just a uh, once and you know when things are in trouble. But it was that was something that was near and dear to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and seeing even through the sacrifice, she's still praising. So quite, quite, quite the lady. Yeah, you know, the world often makes a big deal about saying that women are are considered less than in the Bible. Well. Maybe if you look at everything from the world's perspective, you know, the world's perspective is whoever's holding the mic and is up front, they're the important person and nothing happens without them. All the credit needs to be rained down on them and they'll give some casual words to their team. Oh yeah, I couldn't do it without my team, without my crew. <laughs> right? But, but that's so much further from the truth. But if you look to the world for your satisfaction and joy, you're going to come away very disappointed. You're going you're gonna to have a hole in your life. But if you, you take a look into the Word, and you let God's Word speak to you, you're going to see that, just just like for Elkanah, for one, he was the head of his household, right? But he wasn't the head. God was the head, yeah, right? Yeah. There's only one that's in charge, right? The rest of us just have different roles. What would his family, have, what would Elkanah's family been like had Hannah not been how she was? How she, if she had not been uh, patient and loving and kind and serving God, he would have had a very difficult time trying to get his whole family to serve God, wouldn't he? Yeah. Right? He couldn't He couldn't have done it. It would have been impossible without her. Look, look at the strength, the quiet strength she provided. And, and it's more than just her. I mean, the Bible's full of examples, if you start taking a look, of strong women that everybody's life would have been so much different and so much less had not had God not put them there and used them. Yeah, I, I think it's important that uh, that you ladies know you serve a big purpose to the kingdom. Yes. So, uh, you know, I've been doing some studying this week um, and looking through some things. And just one thing I noticed in the New Testament, when Jesus is being crucified, the men are scattering and the women are gathering. Yes. So, you know, it yeah. speaks, that speaks volumes of the women. Yeah. So they're, they're the first ones of the tomb. They're there the whole, you know, so I'm like, yes. wow, this is really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, just because roles and responsibilities are different doesn't make one more important than the other. Yeah. The only one that's, that's more important than anybody else is, is the Lord. Yeah. Right. We just have different jobs. And if you've got one that's not doing their job, it makes it very difficult for the other one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just just take like Naomi, Ruth, Deborah, Rebecca, Sarah, Lois, and Eunice. You know, Timothy's grand grandmother and mother, uh, Priscilla, and then Mary. I mean, that, that's just a few. I, we don't have the time to sit here and just keep going over and over. But if you want to look at how important uh, women are in the Bible, just shut out what the world tells you and look for what God tells you. Yeah. Right. God God's version of success is the true version of success. Yeah, so ladies, thank you. Thank you very right? much. Thank you. Uh, you are warriors. Yes. So, you know, we see that throughout Scripture. I don't know, maybe you haven't, maybe you hadn't taken a deep dive into it, mm-hmm. but I encourage you to. I encourage you to take a deep dive and see how important you are to the kingdom growth. Right. It's uh, important to me. I would not be anywhere near where I am today without all of the women in my life that have provided such strength and encouragement and and knowledge, uh, man, I just, you know, it, it wouldn't have been possible. God put you in my life for a reason. I'm very thankful, yeah. and I, I couldn't do it without you. So, so we're glad that you that we have a day to honor you. Yes. So we're thankful for that. And again, Happy Mother's Day to all all of the mothers out there. Um, and thank you guys for taking a little bit of your time. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to tune in and to listen to us. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, again, if you've liked the videos and you hadn't already subscribed, you can do that on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Uh, or you can find us on uh, Spotify and on uh, Apple, Apple. Uh, Podcasts. So we're out there too. Uh, go out there and uh, uh, give us a, a like on those. Facebook, you can find us on the Bald Believers page. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like that page, you'll get notified when the latest episodes um, are released. So again, we appreciate you. We appreciate you taking a little bit of time. And until uh, until we speak again, have a good day. See ya.